Hello, and welcome to Fighting Over the VCR, the podcast where we talk about movies that we grew up watching. My name is Matthew. My name is Nancy. And this week we have our special guest, friend of the podcast, Sherry. Hello. Welcome, Sherry. Thank you very much for joining us. It's my pleasure. <laughs> Actually, it's uh, kind of funny. When we started talking about the movies that we were going to do this week, I let Sherry know, and she said, ooh, 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 I love these movies. I want, can I be on this episode? And we said, sure, why not? Because uh, we enjoy having guests. So um, that kind of wanted me to just kind of talk. Uh, yeah, Mulder. Well, I, you can help me. Announce this, make this little announcement. He didn't introduce him, so he was sorry. Podcast is here, you. Mulder. But um, you know, if you're interested in being a guest and there's a movie that you'd like, um, maybe just shoot us a message, you know, on Facebook, Instagram, wherever, and say, "Hey, I really like this movie. I'd love to talk about it. Are you guys ever going to do it?" And then Nancy and I will get back to you because we like having guests, and technology these days allows us to have anyone kind of really join if you got a smartphone or a computer and whatnot, so... What if they hate it? What if they hate the movie? Mm-hmm. But they want to talk about why they hate it. Um, you know what? Um, that could be up for debate. Or you could dupe us and say you love this movie and actually <laughs> hate it. Whatever. We like fun conversation and banter. But it's probably going to be a movie that Nancy and I would probably already want to watch. Or maybe you'd want to introduce us to something that we've been really wanting to watch anyway. So... Um, a second little announcement is um, we've been a little delayed since our last podcast because, as I mentioned in the in um, in our previous episode about germs and the sickness and washing your hands, um, unfortunately, apparently, maybe podcasting might be contagious because shortly after we recorded, Nancy got the sickness. Dude, I had the plague so bad it was like three weeks of misery. And. Um, and now allergies are kicking in, so I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah, but it did allow us to get in some movie watching. And um, later in the podcast, I'm going to be talking about... Yes, Mulder. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm not paying too much, enough attention to you. I know. I'm talking to our listeners. You know, they're your listeners, too. I know. Anyway, um, later in the podcast, I'm going to be talking about uh, a movie that... Um, might sound weird, but I love called Silence of the Lambs. But Nancy's going to start us off, and uh, then we'll have a nice general discussion about Thelma and Louise. All right, Nancy. All right. Thanks, Matt. So one quick fun note about both the movies we're talking about tonight is they both came out in 1991 and were both up for a lot of Oscars. In fact, uh, one of them beat out the other one in a lot of categories. So it's just kind of interesting. We've got two intense Oscar contender movies from the exact same year that we're talking about tonight. And and that kind of inspired our picks. I think so. Week. That's that's kind of what lent, led us to pairing these up. We, we, had, we had kind of this discussion around Oscar time of, you know, talking about movies, you know, around the Oscars. But we wanted to talk about movies that, you know, we liked growing up that were Oscar worthy, and it just it kind of worked out that yeah, these two perfect time were on our list, and we were in the mood to do them. You know, when so. I when I saw when I was watching them, I was thinking about that, like, hey, I think these came out the same year. I wonder if 
They did that on purpose. I wasn't sure. Yeah, well. But yeah. We actually do plan ahead sometimes. <laughs> and and well, do, I mean, do mild amounts of research. So, <laughs> But uh, Thelma and Louise is about two ladies who are friends. They're late 30s, early 40s, you'd say. I, I mean, clearly, Louise is played by Susan Sarandon, who I think is a smidge older than Gina Davis, who I, plays I, Thelma. She's 10 years older than her in real life. Okay, so more than a smidge. I um, was like, I, don't, I thought it was less than that. But they play they, they play um, best girlfriends, and it starts out with Louise wrapping up her shift working at the restaurant, and Thelma is a housewife married to a very miserable Christopher McDonald, who was in a previous episode as Goose from Greece too. Um, <laughs> miserable, horrible husband. And she is so miserable with him and afraid to talk to her own husband that she doesn't even tell him that she's going on this two day girls weekend trip. And, uh, you know, Louise is a very planned, thoughtful, tidy, prepared kind of person. And Thelma's a little more scattered. And I mean, being that there is a bit of an age difference, I mean, you could just say it's like a kid sister kind of, you know, and an older sister, maybe element where the older sister has to come off as a, maybe a little more responsible one taking care of a kid sister, maybe perhaps. Does that happen in sibling relationships? I think it does. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, they attempt to go on this great little weekend getaway, you know, using using Louise's boss's uh, cabin up in the mountains because, you know, he's gotten divorced and he's not going to be able to let his buddies <laughs> use the cabin anymore. And Thelma, who is just so starved for any kind of attention, is like, hey, I want to, like, go to a bar for a little bit. Just 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 a couple few minutes. Let's go hang out at the bar <laughs> for a couple few minutes and then hang then hit, get back on the road and Louise is like, "Okay, fine. Like one drink, that's it." Actually, she doesn't even want to drink at first. She's like, "No, I'm going to have water." And then Louise then Thelma's like, "Oh no, let's let's do it." Long story short, Thelma is a boy crazy lady and gets hit on immediately and thinks it's oh so innocent while she's getting plied with tons of booze this guy harlan is literally spinning her in circles on the dance floor to make her disoriented and make her feel super sick so he can then lure her outside so she can get some fresh air to feel better all while louise has stepped away to like use the ladies room And then Harlan, of course, attacks her. And this is what is the pivot moment in this girl, this girl's gone bad weekend trip. It's just from there on out, all hell has broken loose for these women. Like their lives will never be the same from that stupid moment on. And instead of walking away after, you know, Louise is able to help get Thelma free from this guy who has punched her twice in the face. I think three times. Two or three times One slap, maybe two punches. And then, you know, like, threw her down on a car, but never got to raping her. Yeah, I asked, when I was watching, I was like, was there penetration? It looks like there almost is, but I don't think that... And honestly, I'd remembered that there had been, so I think this, I think being a younger person, I thought that he'd gone further. I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty close. You know, I think that they didn't, they probably didn't want to, sh- they can't show it, but they, she, she keeps saying that 
that he raped her. Yeah. You know, he did. He, he did. raped me. You know, yeah. and he would have and, and and even if he raped, penetration, but even if he didn't yeah. penetrate no, no, her, I mean, let, let, let's let's yeah. we're not trying to define this no, at no, all. No, but no. I mean, he raped her. Yeah, yeah. He he and, and like and then of course you know when Louise. Because he's like, oh, well, we're just having fun. And she says, hello, when a woman is crying like that, she's not having fun. And, you know, they're about to get away, but then this dumb asshole decides to mouth off just one more time and fails to remember that Louise is holding a gun. And she's just like, I can't handle it anymore. So what we find out very soon in this movie, with the exception of, like, Louise's cool boss, who's really sweet at the, at the restaurant, and eventually Harvey Keitel... All men are dumb in this movie. All men are assholes. All men suck in this movie. I didn't think Jimmy was was bad, Michael Madsen. She was mad at him almost the whole movie until he hunted her down. No, she wasn't. They had, yes. they, they had had a fight. We don't they know had, why, what it was problems. over. I mean, but I, I think it was more because he wanted to be with her. She was like, ah. I thought, I thought, I never got that vibe at all. I thought she it says was, that. I thought it was more just because he was a musician and wasn't around. So it didn't, it didn't seem like they were as committed. Louise says to Thelma, he's into the chase. Like, so she never felt like. They were really that committed. Like, it just... Well, she didn't feel that. She didn't feel like they were that committed because she felt that way. And then later we see that he really actually was committed to the chase. And he... he I mean, he was going to, you know, wire her money, but he didn't. He actually t- brought it to her so he could see her. Excuse me, though, but when they finally get together in the hotel room, it takes him all about... 18 seconds for him to like start throwing lamps and stuff around the room because he gets mad. So mm-hmm. but let's he gets assume mad, that but his, he gets mad his be- temper is really, he's got a really short fuse. But he gets mad because she's, she he's asking her, he's like, what is going on? And she is like, I she's I, not saying anything. She doesn't want to get him involved. I can't tell you. And he's not respecting the fact that because she wasn't expecting him to show up at all. All she wanted him to do, please just send the money. Let me know where. But that was, okay. She's saying, just send me the money. I'll let you know where. Because she doesn't no, want to get him to get involved. Know at the what location. Yeah, and he said that he, and he called, and later she called him. He let her know. He said, go to this hotel. It, it, you know, Western Union did, and it'll go to this hotel. It'll be under the name Peaches. And it turned out that he just showed up there with the money. Which and is not what she asked him to do. I know it's not what she asked him to do, but... He obviously was worried about her and wanted to go and help her. This is so interesting because I feel like you're both right. Yeah. I mean, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I don't think think Jimmy's a great guy. I mean, I think he's a better guy than most of them, but he's not a great guy. Yeah. Uh, He got got very mad at her after seeing her for 18 seconds and threw a lamp across the room. And he said, let's go sit down over there. And she was clearly scared of him because she was like, you can just tell me right here. Just tell me right here. Like, she did not want to move from that doorway because she was afraid of him. I I don't think it was like that at all. But you, you're interpreting it way different than I did. I, I do not think Jimmy is a terrible person in this. Now, the only... He, again, I don't think the, he's terrible. He's If we had to rate the men in this movie... He could be better. <laughs> yeah, if we could rate the men in this movie, but, Hal is the best. Right, yeah, yes. And then there's a, then, like I said, the, the restaurant manager who we see for four seconds hitting on <laughs> Thelma over the phone. Hey, Thelma, when are you going to run away with me? That, you know, and he's lending her the house. He's number two. 
and then we go a ways down. You know, like let's let's like okay. lower the bar no. a bit, no. and then Jimmy can fit in here. And then we go a little bit lower than that. No, a bit lower than that. Then you get Brad Pitt because he's so freaking hot in this movie. But then below that and everywhere else is all the other men. They're all the rest of them piles of garbage. I think you're being a little hard on Jimmy, but. Well, again, he did not listen. We noted your opinion. He did. He did not listen to what she asked. Mm -hmm. She was very clear because she told him, I am we are I am in deep shit, Arkansas right now. I need help. I need you to send the money. I can't tell you why. Like she was explicit about it over the phone. So and she'd been trying to call him and he wasn't picking up. So now that he finally answers, yes, it was good timing that he was able to access the cash. But again, he didn't do what she asked. I I I, inter- I interpreted it, him as caring for her and being romantic and 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 trying to be like she's obviously in trouble, you know. I don't want her to feel alone. I'll go to her and see if I can help her. Maybe it was overstepping the bounds of what she had asked, but I don't think it was in the wrong. Well, I'll say this too: <laughs> we clear we know this from moment one that Louise is like fiercely independent. She, you know, she's built her life about around being incredibly independent. So I think, again, for him to forget that she's super independent and she's asked him to just get the cash because she can't get to it and just send it to her, please. She said, please. (laughs) Um, But that he didn't listen. He did not follow what she, regardless of if he felt, she's not a damsel in distress. Okay. He, she doesn't see herself as a damsel in distress that needed Jimmy to come and save her. No, she doesn't. And. Let's take this to another another let's look at another aspect of Louise. Louise is incredibly secretive to where she doesn't even tell her best friend why they Texas. can't go to Texas. The person that she is risking her life with, she can't just say what happened in Texas and multiple times throughout the movie it's I told you never to ask me yeah. about that. I told you never to tell okay, me about well, that. So that it, was really traumatic for her, so I understand why she doesn't want to talk I, about I it. I understand but, that, but when someone said but when you get that way, you're obvious you're you're putting up a wall saying that I keep secrets. So when Jimmy is saying you know, is worried about her and he, and he wants to be part of her life and is, is worried, you know, and wants to help her for him to, you know, as you put it, not listen to her, you know, it, it seems like she's putting him in a bad spot, you know, to where he need, he wants to help and he's feeling like I can't help. Then wait a minute. How, how do I even trust this person when he's already bought a ring for her? she says she questions the motives of the ring anyways like when he when he and he doesn't propose he hands her a box because they were yelling, just, they were fighting and he was wondering if the whole relationship was over he hands her a box and she opens it and she goes why why now why are you giving this to me she's not excited about it she doesn't ask like like how many carrots is it what clarity is it I, I think she doesn't say wow it's a round cut she doesn't care about any of that but I think that's because she has put up this wall She's put up this wall to and it's more like it's not that she she is just independent. She's keeping that independence so she doesn't have to be vulnerable. It's a control thing. Well, think about what happened to her. Oh, no, I I, I understand. I'm sure she's probably like this anyway. I understand why. I'm just saying that I don't think it's fair to say that Jimmy is part of the lowest of the low of all the men. I think she didn't say that. 
didn't say that. <laughs> no, you didn't. You made him like no. Number... I made him number two. I said no. no three. I made you him made him number three, three okay. and you said he was way below the restaurant guy who let them borrow the house. So I mean, come on. Really big Michael Madsen come on. Fan. Can we just can we just say there are three good men in this movie? Fine, we can put Jimmy there too. <laughs> Thank you. I just don't think there was anything wrong with Jimmy. Louise would argue with you on that one. The only thing Jimmy did, and that was that was you know very questionable. That would I would definitely put him down as number three. Is he did say they're going to Mexico, and he probably told the cops they were going. That was JD, not Jim. Oh, you're right. You're right. Because Jimmy Jimmy didn't know what happened. Right. No, it was Brad Pitt when he got caught. Busting parole oh, with, so. with the six grand, as as oh. Harvey Keitel hammers him and says, "Do you really think that that Thelma would have held up that restaurant had you not stolen the six grand that they had?" So I would almost put JD about at the same level as Thelma's husband, except mm. JD uh. is hot. <laughs> yeah, Brad Pitt I'm with is that. smoking in this. Plus, movie. he's more polite to which her, makes him more Other than stealing her money. Which makes him more man, like, manipulative. But he's just a thief. <laughs> which makes him way more manipulative. <laughs> he taught her how to rob places. <laughs> no, he, yeah, no, he's horrible too. And Thelma is boy crazy. Oh my god! If Thel- Thelma is so boy crazy in this movie, and that gets them in so much trouble. You know, I have to say, I when I've seen this movie many times, and I forgot that how young she is when they got together. She's fourteen. Yeah, never I, with I, anyone I forgot, else. Yeah, yeah. I've forgotten that too. I mean, but he, oh my god. I mean, to have Goose as your only person for all those years. <laughs> and he doesn't even... Here she called him on the while they were... After this had happened. And he's, like, not even listening. He's watching a freaking football game. And here she's, like, spilling all the dirt before they realize just how bad it is. And, yeah. So, anyway. So, we've talked... Okay. So, this movie has, like, some clear, clear acts in it, right? And... I need to just say this. I don't really like the ending anymore. I don't really like the last, like, 30 minutes of this movie. hmm Yeah. I watched it in parts <clears throat> today, and I watched most of it, and then I think I had, like, mm, I think I had about an hour left to go when I came home and finished it this afternoon. And, yeah, like, the last 40 minutes is, like, mm, I don't know. Well, that, I mean, and it's not just because of it's the ending and the ending is so controversial. I think it's more just. Let's be honest, Nancy, is when Brad puts his clothes back on. Yeah, I mean, it's when about when it when, starts to when, go downhill. When Brad is <laughs> when when Brad is gone and no more like yeah. a, a cute guy for them to for uh, Thelma to just it's lust over. from that moment on. <laughs> it, you know, I don't I've never liked the ending, but I've always thought I just didn't like it because, you know. They die, um, or a mangled mess in a coma. I don't know, but uh, it, yeah. Well, I'll say, and I, I think we've brought this up on other shows. Having watched almost all the seasons, I think I'm two seasons behind of like Orange Is the New Black, mm-hmm. and feeling like I have a better understanding of what women in prison is like. 
understand why they're like, screw jail. Sure. We're not going to do it. Because, of course. And like they said, and I feel like, again, the timing of watching this movie now, I mean, we bring up Me Too, it seems like almost every episode nowadays. We, we talk, we've talked about it a lot. All of the stuff that they're talking about in this, in the early scenes of this movie, the whole, no one would believe you. There's no yeah. evidence now. Oh, yeah. You were dancing with him. You let him get you all drunk. Yeah. No but, one. Yeah. I mean, I think it was a pretty progressive thing to talk about. Now, I think. Yeah. The, oh, yeah. I think the Jodie Foster movie, the, I think the, the accused. accused. I think that came out before this. It did. Yes. So <clears throat> obviously that so it was before. Sounds and, and that was a very intense movie, obviously, about her rape and the. um not even the rapists themselves, but all the men that watched it and egged it on. Um, and from and from what I recall from that movie, oh, it's not until like one of the other guys that was part of it really kind of it you know, like tells the truth of what happened and doesn't yeah. play along with oh. everyone else. So so again, it's that same situation of they're just gonna you know it's your word against his. Yeah. You know, they're gonna say. You know, how do you think that this is going to happen? And and I think that that is how a lot of women feel when they're in this situation, you know, so they don't step, you know, so oh, people yeah. don't step forward. So and, 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 um, so I get, and I really understand, you know, the whole reason, but, and to your point about Louise, you know, she was always kind of the more level headed one. And then it flips to where, you know, Thelma's like, we got to go to the police yeah. and just turn ourselves in and explain ourselves. Maybe they'll believe us. And and Louise, because as it's implied, she's had some sort of experience with this. You know, she's like, no, we just got to go. Yeah. And because no one will believe us. And I think that's where one of my problems with the movie lies. And, and, and in rewatching it, you know, it's. It's a good movie. Mm-hmm. I would definitely say that it's a great movie for people to watch. Mm-hmm. I'm, I think my problem with the ending might be a little different where I, I'm, I don't necessarily agree with the logic. Like that's what try I try and let, try I, and let the system. Yeah. Like as, as hard as it would be, try and let the system, you know, do its thing. Should you well, have robbed the stores? No, but, but to Harvey Keitel's point, I don't think that they would have robbed those stores if they didn't get robbed by JD and were taught how to rob a store yeah. by him. Yeah. You know? And, and and at that point it's like men are a bad influence for other reasons too. Yeah. But I really think that Harvey Keitel had um how is that his name? Yeah. <clears throat> his character had like the good point. Like he interviewed the people at the bar and they were like, I'm not like this guy's a scumbag. I'm not surprised he didn't get shot sooner. Didn't, want, didn't the didn't the bartender say I'm surprised it wasn't his wife that did it or something yeah, like the, that? Yeah, the waitress. The waitress yeah. is like, mm-hmm. I'm, it was either his wife or a husband of one of the many women that he's done this to yeah. at the at the bar. Maybe not raped, but at least yeah. gone home with or yeah. you know spent time with. Been that, inappropriate. With. Been appro- inappropriate with. So. All of that being said, it could be it, it could go as far as it was self defense because. No one saw, you know, exactly what happened. Yeah. So I guess that's kind of where I feel, 
I guess I just feel bad that they felt like they, ha- you know, the system, they felt that the system would not work for them. So they the- had to, so the movie had to end the way it did. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and back to like what we were saying about how Louise has a couple of very illogical points. This whole not driving through Texas thing. I mean, that, that to me, yes, she didn't want to ever be in Texas again because of whatever it was that happened to her there. It's also just stupid. Well, the main thing that's always bothered me when I've watched this movie, even though I do like it a lot, is that she never just sells her car and trades and gets a different car. No shit. Get like, a new car. Yeah. I mean, they know what car you're Immediately. In. Go like, take someone else's car. Especially because it's a vintage 66 right. Ford Thunderbird. To, yeah. And it's this really, you know, cool green color. Right. And yeah. yeah, you're right. She should have tried to get... bothered me. But, but, then, but then again, this took place over, what, four days? If that, yeah, yeah but they could so, have stolen. But a, then again, you know, it makes it re- it makes it more. Then again, it makes it a little more real because a lot of people wouldn't switch their car. You yeah. know, it's just like a thing you th- watch a movie and go, oh, "You got to switch your car." But I mean, she was smart. You would think sh- her character seems smart enough to do something like that. Is but at the same time, know. it it almost kind of makes it seem like they're dumb. And and that well, and I don't like plan that either. On this happening. I mean, yeah. I mean, they, it, it was just. Yes, you they know. did not plan on all this happening. But the idea of oh, we got to run. I think that that is a gut reaction that a lot of people would have. So, you know, they 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 follow through with that. But is it the smartest decision? Maybe, probably not. I don't know. I I that's not what I would do. But I'm not in their shoes, so mm. I'm I'm not gonna. Sit, I mean, and there do you a have a movie of, otherwise? Probably not. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of desperation from the whole movie. Like, you can really say that, I mean, if, if this movie needed to be renamed, then you could say Two Desperate Women or something like that. I yeah. mean, they just, they were just on the edge. I mean, Louise was desperate for some something, and Thelma clearly was desperate to change her life because she had to get away from stupid Daryl. Um, but then this tragic thing you know, pivots what happens for the rest of the movie. And oh. it's just sad. Cause they're just trying to have some fun and have some, you know, margaritas and stuff. And then it just turns into, yeah. cause she's, I mean, and we, all, I mean, we all know this girl's without, trip. without saying like, she should trip. be able to dance with the guy as much as she wants and not have to worry about it, yeah. but that's not the world we live in. So yeah. Yeah. now I saw it. I don't know if I can't remember if I saw it in the theater, but I definitely saw it early enough before being spoiled with the ending. Um, I had a girlfriend from high school that, would joke around and be like, oh, yeah, and then they drive off a cliff and die. Like, she would just kind of drop the spoiler in there. And, and again, you guys, it's been out for over 29 years, yeah. so <laughs> I'm not worried about spoiling it at this point. Um, it's been it's been spoofed many times, including Wayne's World, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I remember this movie just really hitting me hard. I mean, because I think I was probably like 15 or 16 when I saw it when you know when it came out and I mean it it really had an impact because of course then too I wasn't old enough to have had like my own girls trips you know so just the idea of like oh when I'm older you know me and a girlfriend or me and a couple few girlfriends can get away and like have a weekend on our own and what could happen and mm. I had the same experience as you I saw it not long after it had been on video Mm -hmm. with my friends and uh it had a huge impact on me, too. Cause, I mean, I'm younger than you. I was, like, probably, what, let's see, 12. I was 12 when I probably saw it. Yeah. So, yeah. And that whole, it was just, I, it's. A, I think it was a, a good movie for me to watch because, it, you know, all that stuff seemed so real and, you know, give a lot of insight into some human nature for sure. Mm-hmm. So. When do you think you saw it, Matt? <clears throat> well, 
the first time I ever kind of saw it, mom and dad were watching it in their room and they were watching it. And I remember when the rape scene came up, mom threw a blanket over my head so I couldn't see what was going on. Like, she was worried about, like, what was going on. She didn't want me to see it. Maybe she should have let you watch it so you grow up to not be like Harlan. No shit. But um, <laughs> luckily I didn't grow up to be like Harlan. No. But, um, and at that point, I think I was just, like, I wasn't really interested in watching it anyway, yeah. at, you know, at that time. Yeah, okay. And then, um, I think then I didn't see it until I was, like, maybe in my teens or 20s. That I, I sat and watched the whole thing. I mean, I'd seen parts of it on TV, but I'd never sat and watched the whole thing. But mm-hmm. and then you know, I'm not seeing it unless I until I sat and watched the whole thing on video. It's you know, I I'd seen an edited version of it for forever. Mm-hmm. So, but um, as far as I had already known what the ending was. Yeah. I had already known yeah. I was gonna say you already knew Brad Pitt was in it as some guy they pick up on the road. But I didn't know a lot of, like, the the details about their lives, like what Thelma's home life was like before she left mm-hmm. or what Louise is like and how she had this whole secret about not wanting to go through Texas and all this other kind of stuff. Um, but I, I agree, though, that at the time that this came out, I totally get, like, why it was a, a big deal and why it was... Oscar nominated for the two act for the two actresses mm-hmm. because they do a really good job. They're in this amazing, movie. and yeah. um, it definitely deserves all the credit. Um, you know, you've got a great director. Um, this, you know, it's funny we, we were talking about the Oscars, and um, I remember watching this year's Oscars, and when Brad Pitt won for um, Once Upon a Time. Um, in Hollywood, he actually thanks Gina and and Ridley for giving him his start. Mm. So yeah, that was the first feature that he because this in. was the first feature yeah. he was in. The world got introduced to his abs. Oh yeah, <clears throat> more than that. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but yeah, <laughs> you see the looks Nancy and I are giving each other. <laughs> now, did you? Um, I don't know if you did any other research on the movie. I mean, mostly, like, what it got nominated for. So um, it did win for original screenplay, I believe. But then it lost Mm -hmm. out um, Best Actress, because both Gina and Susan Sarandon were um, nominated for Best Actress. They lost to Jodie Foster. And um, Best Director for Ridley Scott, he lost out to Jonathan Jonathan Demme. And I don't remember if it was nominated for Best Picture or not. Well, I... In in my research, choreography, uh, cinematography. It was in editing. I think it was also edited. There's some um, some interesting stuff about this. Ridley Scott tried to make this movie, um, in like 1980. Oh, I wonder who He tried. They originally it was like Natalie Wood, and I forget the other actress, but definitely you know a lot earlier than than mm-hmm. you know it's almost ten years. And it just kept going back and forth, like, trying to get who was going to make it. And then eventually it wasn't until um, later that um, um, he wasn't even going to direct it. Um, mm. the, the woman who helped, who worked on writing it was going to direct it. And he was just going to produce it. And then it kind of turned to him directing it to get the movie made. And um, Interesting casting in this, which is kind of like a lot of intertwining going on. Um Brad Pitt beat out 
Actually, I'll go back. Originally, William Baldwin, Billy Baldwin, was cast as JD. Okay. He was, and then he was they wanted, and then they were going to replace him, and Brad Pitt beat out Christian Slater. Okay, yeah, that was definitely when Christian which Slater was, was which was kind of revenge because then Christian's because apparently Christian Slater beat out Brad Pitt for the role in Heather's. Oh, how funny! But Heather's came out years before, right? Hmm. And then um, I guess. Billy Baldwin got his revenge because he beat out Brad Pitt for his role in Backdraft. Oh, weird. It was, which also has Scott Glenn, which is in mm-hmm. Silence of the Lambs, which we'll talk about later. Right. Yeah. And I then, like Backdraft a and lot. Then stra- and then the strange thing is that then Christian Slater and Brad Pitt just end up being in the same movie when they're both yeah, true romance. True romance yeah. <laughs> and they're also in the same movie when they do Interview with the Vampire. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. There you go. But then this movie also starts to bring together people who are eventually going to be in movies because Harvey Keitel and yeah. uh, Michael, Michael Madsen, Madsen are in Reservoir yeah. Dogs together. And then eventually... Um, I'm trying... Is there another... Yeah, that's it. Anyway. I love Harvey Keitel, by the way. Oh, he's great. He's he's, And what's so nice about him is... You know, sure, he broke in this, into Louise's house, but he had to get some... He had to get a sense of who is he dealing with. Is he dealing with a crazy maniac, or is he dealing with a woman on the verge? You know, I mean, he was doing police work, and he was yeah. researching it. And I mean, he even tells her over the phone, "I know what happened in Texas." So I don't know what, if he just looked up her record or what Probably. it was. But he seemed like the only decent person that Louise could try to connect with. Um, but he he knew and. The re- I'll go. I want to go back to why like the last part of this movie doesn't work for me now. Like watching it as an adult, it seems very rushed, and I felt like I remembered all of the work with Harvey Keitel, like all of the stuff where Hal and Louise were trying to talk on the phone, and he was trying to like help her figure things out and help her kind of feel grounded or whatnot through all this. All that seems so rushed now. It's much shorter than what it actually was, you know, because here they're driving along in the Grand Canyon, along like the edge, and then poof, like the helicopter just appears out of nowhere. Yeah. And then then the timing of their choices becomes like, what, less than five minutes. Right, right. And just, oh my God, really? Like, this is it. It just... Escalates fast. Um... <clears throat> One kind of pseudo problem I have, and and this is, you know, along the same lines of why they didn't change cars, is when they figured out that JD had told them they were going to Mexico, why didn't they go to Canada? Yeah. Why didn't they just say, okay, now we're going to change direction and go to Canada? I I told Matt maybe, like, in Canada, I don't know if it's easier to extradite people or they, you know, a lot more cooperative than Mexico is. Who knows, but... Who knows? Yeah, they're... Definitely, it's a whole. I mean, but then again, I mean, they were already two desperate women. You know, right. they were already feeling like everything is against them. The movie starts and everything is against them. And then she's attacked and then things get much worse from there. It just, I don't know. I mean, this movie came out when, I don't know if it was before or after, like Clarence Thomas was trying to be nominated to the Supreme Court and then all like the Anita Hill stuff I came out. I want to say it was 
It may have been right after. This movie may have came out. God, it might have been that same summer. Was it around that same time? But I mean, because it came out in May '91. That kind of okay. So I think the hearings were um, summer '90, maybe. Yeah, I was. I remember I was a sophomore in high school, so it was sometime between fall of '91 and spring of '92. Some clearly something was going on with the culture, and then something was in the air to really have this movie be like, okay, this story about. Two women who really are against the world, um, and and seen—I don't want to say like they're seen as cowboys, but there definitely is this rogue element. And um, I yeah, I, I also I have to say that <clears throat> there is a lot of fun parts in this movie too. Oh yeah, and uh, which I love to watch. And I the you mentioned the cinematography, and mm. I love the Southwest a lot, and so. Um, and I know part of it's in the Midwest, but watching all of that, mm-hmm. um, it's just gorgeous. So yeah, it's the, really cool. It was all, the it whole. was all pretty much filmed in Utah. Yeah. So yeah. Got that whole, you know, road trip feel and it's, it's always fun. I kind of also noticed like they always had the top down in the car and maybe, maybe it didn't have a top, but I no, kind of felt I like think they, it did. I, no, no, it absolutely did. It does have a top because they put it on when they rain. leave the bar. And, yeah, 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 they have because it kind of feels like as the movie's going on because they're driving around with the top down, like they're getting a tan. Didn't it look kind of like they were getting a tan? Well, throughout I also the whole noticed. Movie? If you also notice as the movie goes on, they start to look more like each other. Look more really? like each other, and they're both like wearing pants mm-hmm. because Gina Davis's character wasn't wearing jeans much. Right. She was always wearing cute yeah. little dresses and skirts. Yeah. Well, she started wearing pants when she started robbing, robbing liquor stores. And yeah. <laughs> had to look tough when she had to wear the dirty trucker's hat. Who would have put Gross. that hat on? Ugh. Yeah, why does that guy have to keep popping up? It's almost like, <laughs> it's almost like I feel it's, like it's he like kind of like symbolizes. <laughs> well, he kind yes. of symbolizes that you these women can never get away from it. Right. Like, women can never get away from these nasty, Correct. disgusting grease balls that are just going to continue to harass them. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can literally drive across, like, seven states. They right. They drive, you know, 1,000, 2,000 miles and cannot get away from that kind of thing. And the fact that it's the same person mm-hmm. doing it over and over again. Yep. At least they get to blow up his truck. Right. <laughs> when I first saw that, yeah, I remember loving that part. <laughs> that guy is weird. It's horrible. Uh not to interrupt, but July of 91 was when Clarence Thomas was confirmed. So this... So all the same time. All the same time. I looked it up, and I think September 91 is when it... It says... Well, it right. says, confirm oh, Clarence oh, Thomas okay. in July okay. of 91. Okay. So all the hearings were yeah. around that, you know, before that. Ooh. So this was all kind of going on, yeah. you know, and when this movie's coming out, you know, that that's the topic, you mm-hmm. know, a big part of the, part of the conversation. It's a third wave feminism, you know, time frame, so... Yeah. so. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this movie is even appropriate to do, like, favorite characters and favorite scenes. Why not? I mean, Louise is my favorite character. I, Louise is at the beginning, and then as it goes on, it, like, changes back and forth for me. Um, well, I spent some time defending it. I'll say Jimmy, but um, <laughs> of the two main characters, it's hard for me to decide because I have problems with both of them. I feel like Thelma makes dumb mistakes, like based on 
promotions and not really thinking them through, like losing the money to JD and oh, trusting sure. him too much. Here we go. Promotions. <laughs> well, it, it. I mean, she was. In, she's no, in I, the rush I agree. Of it. She should have. She should have put it away. I'm just. Kidding. But then I also have problems with Louise, where, like I said, I don't think it's fair to be. I know it's hard to talk about, but I think that she would have a better. Un- she could have. They're about to like run away from their lives, and why? You know. Thelma would have a much better understanding of why they're not driving through Texas. If she just tells her something really bad happened to me or I did something really bad there, or even if it's not details, something to get more detail, like a little bit more like, I just can't go back there. She ends up kind of telling her. Thelma deserved that kind of um, being entrusted with that. Right. I mean, they're, they're on the run. I mean, and... Even in Mexico, that's not going to stop. You know, just because they get to Mexico, it's not like, I'm free. You know, they they would look for them. <laughs> and so, um, so yeah, I'm going to say Jimmy, just just to give give you grief. <laughs> favorite scenes? Um, favorite scenes. Um, it had nothing to do with Brad Pitt and Gina Davis together in a room. Um, <laughs> I definitely do not have that written down as my favorite scene. <laughs> it can be. No problem with that. Um, you know, I, I really like um, Harvey Keitel in this movie. Mm-hmm. And this the scene when, I think it's the, that scene when he has Louise on the phone. And he's which time the 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 time where he's like I know what happened in Texas yeah. you know come on I you know he's trying to work with her and she really kind of has that same look on her face that she did when she shot Harlan kind of this almost ghost look of I'm like she's not in her own body kind yeah. of kind of feel and. You know, I think I that thought may that have been really their second to the last phone call. Because yeah. I think mm-hmm. the last yeah, phone yeah. call, he said, we're charging you guys with murder. You guys haven't come back. She's robbed a store now. We're charging you with murder. So it had it had to be the one before it. Yeah. But, yeah. Okay. I think that was good. What about good you, Sherry? Uh, <clears throat> well, my favorite scene is Brad and Gina. But it also encompasses when he's teaching her like how he robs mm. with the places. Bl- with the blow dryer? Well, yes. <laughs> I'm talking about like that's it's great how he teaches her that. And then later and then to kind of go with that, I love the scene where she's doing it. There you're watching you're watching the video of her doing it and Daryl's face and the rest of them <laughs> yes. watching her rob all in all in the conference this room. This liquor store, <laughs> this gas station and Nothing is better than Daryl's face, like watching this, going, "What? What is happening?" Yeah. Um. Do you not have? So, do you don't want to pick Nancy? Um, I'll say that yes, like the Gina Davis, Brad Pitt stuff is awesome. But watching it as an adult, as- knowing what, knowing he's gonna <laughs> rob her, I, I have so much dread. I'm like, oh my god, oh my god. Well, there's like, not a lot of acting much going time, on. I mean, it's how not- much time do they have together before he completely fucks her over? I and I've forgotten that it's. Thelma like zipping over to the restaurant showing off her hickeys. I know. And Louise being like, What's where is he? Oh, he's taking a shower. And it's so Oh my god, you left him alone with the money? I mean just And to the point of like 
doing stupid things. Why did Louise give Thelma that money? <laughs> why? Yeah, you know what? We... Why didn't she have it taped to her? I mean, wh- why? You know, hindsight's you know twenty twenty, you know right? You know what? I'll tell you right now. It's the same reason why George Bailey trusted his <laughs> uncle no, with I, exactly. the $8,000. Exactly. It's the exact no, same no, reason. Right. You believe in that person, and then they completely screw up again. Yeah. And she didn't know or think that JD would come to her room and, like, come in there, you know, but... No, she, as soon as... on the nightstand, he was like, put it in a drawer. Sh- yeah, he uh, didn't have Hustler written all over. As, as soon as she... He told her that he um, was on parole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At that point, it's like, like why am I Or, you know, how to rob somewhere. I mean, he could have just, like, <laughs> tied her up and left her there. Yeah, she could have hit it. She should have hit it somewhere. She should have given it back to Louise. But she never saw him. She didn't see him until the next morning. She didn't see Louise until the next morning. Him. She said, I mean, and that's, again, Louise gave her instructions. If you need anything, I'm right in this room. Call me, blah, blah, blah. And she should have just said, JD came back. I'm gonna. We're gonna, you know, do some fun stuff. I need you to come and get that thing, you know, the cash or whatever. Oh my god. Uh, yeah. It, no. I I liked watching that scene because it's like, all right, go, go. You get it, girl. But the dread I had the whole time, like. Uh, but it's like you know, punishment for sex. You know, get mm, stolen from. Yeah. There's a whole. There's the all kinds of themes and. In this movie, Nancy, you told me an interesting story earlier today about um, about something that happened in, in school with this movie. Um, maybe a particular um, school supply you had because of this movie. No, okay, Matt is okay. <laughs> so the, I'm, I'm just gonna I'm gonna leave names out of it because I don't want to embarrass one of my very dear friends who I'm still in touch with. I don't think she listens though. Um, when Gina Davis, when Thelma is obsessing about how cute Brad Pitt's butt is, she says it like five times. She says it to the level that the cartoon character Tina Belcher from Bob's Burgers obsesses over boy butts. And it reminded me that when I was in high school, one of my dearest friends also obsessed over boy butts. And we both I had... I understand. We both had, um, like, mead folders. Mm-hmm. And they both had, they were, I think they were the same one, or they were similar at least. And it was just of the backside of a guy in jeans. Yeah. And it was like from his mid back mm-hmm. to like mid thigh, and that was it. Yeah. Lots of Wrangler pictures. Yeah. 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 That mm-hmm. was basically it. But yeah, my friend, I get it. My friend I'm a fan from high too. school, <laughs> she was very into butts. <laughs> Probably well, but still is. you, uh, but you also had the <laughs> well, same a, you know, a folder to, to go with her. I didn't want her to feel by herself, so you know, I was like, oh, okay, sure, that sounds good. But yeah, no, I was reminded of all that because she's probably the person I may have seen this movie with when I was growing up. Okay, I probably saw it with her and yeah. our other two friends in our group. Um, yeah. Oh, one of the parts that makes me laugh the hardest is when she tells her they can go pick him up, and she starts doing. She after she starts whimpering, and then she goes. <laughs> <laughs> her little dog. It's like, oh, and that's what I'm saying. Thelma, Thelma, your boy Thelma, crazy. Um, she you're going to get your. She is. Oh, cautionary tale. <laughs> so and that's okay. I'll say this too. I've been on several girls trips. I feel like, I think you've been on several girls trips. How many times can a girls trip get ruined when it's supposed to be just about the ladies, just about the girls hanging out and having fun, but one of them. Wants to just find dudes. 99% probably. I mean, you know, it's just like one of them becomes obsessed about wanting boy attention. 
And then it completely kind of screws up the dynamic of the trip. I mean, that's how slumber parties get ruined too. Yeah, mm-hmm. someone, you, all the girls are together, and then there's like one, there's a boy that someone's interested in. I yeah, I totally remember that from all my slumber parties. <laughs> <laughs> but but it just it was it was funny. It was like, oh my god, you know, like this these cautionary tales, like. I get it. Like, you know, boys are important, but there, I think Louise was very frustrated that it's like, it can't just be the two of them. Like, can't we have fun? Just us two girls and leave the men behind. The men cause us problems. We don't want to think about them. We don't need to bring them up to this mountain trip that we're doing, but no, Thelma's boy crazy. Do you think that they, if this movie were to happen in today's modern days, like it would have ended up being just the two of them up in the mountains fishing or doing whatever? I think there'd be different activities. They, they'd be you mean like something. Brokeback Mountain? No. no. I don't think he's talking about them becoming I don't think lesbians. about, no, I just meant like, like. They'd probably, no, they go to a spa. They go they'd to a spa. Something, something. There's lots of movies. glamping. There's they'd lots of movies like that. What is glamping? Glamping is fancy camping. It's the kind of camping you probably would want to do. It'd be camping like in a, in a cabin or like a. Trailer. There's places in Yosemite that allow a glamping kind of thing. It's, it's, it's. Tom Haverford from Parks and Rec, <laughs> he's all about glamping. Remember when they went on that camping trip and he had all of the, he was using all the generators and, like, he used up all the power? And yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get all the benefits of, like, camping, like, you get to be out in the wilderness, but you also get to sleep, like, in a bed and have a hot a shower. Uh-huh. Yeah. TV. So, so, so it's how I'd want to go camping. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Me too. Uh, I could do. I could go without like the TV and the electronics. I just want like a bed and a shower and a place to cook food that's not over a fire. My aunt and uncle just got a big old tra- a big old trailer the other day. There, lots of glamping. I want to. Yeah. Sounds good. Glamping. I don't know. I'm sure there's other versions of it, but I mean, I think the the a modern day version of this it wouldn't necessarily be being distracted by going out to meet a guy at a bar and then he ended up attacking you. I think it would be, you know, being so connected to your phone and all you're doing is Instagram shit or something like that. Like, there's there's other things... Wanting to get that, away from your phone, maybe. Yeah, well, what I'm saying is, like, the, 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 Louise, the mm-hmm. Louise would be like, come sure, on, let's sure. put the phones down, let's enjoy the moment. If yeah. you want to take a few pictures, fine, but please, like, get off of social media for a majority of our trip, please. And the other person being like... Live videoing everything, and <laughs> yeah, posting yeah. a million pictures on the trip the whole time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay. Anyways, these yeah. are conflicts that can come up. Yeah. Um, wow, we talked about this a lot longer than I thought we would. I, I did. I did think it would be. It's really important, um, just from a social conscious kind yeah. of aspect of it. To um, that we should maybe bring up that there are places and people to talk to if anyone is in um, a situation where they have either been raped or attacked or feel abused by somebody. There's a a group called RAIN, which I think it's R-A-I-N-N, that Tori Amos started. Mm. And um, there's like a hotline and everything to where you can talk to somebody and, and get some help if you have been in a situation. And in my research... You know, one of the a song that she had written, I think, for either Little Earthquakes or one of her other albums where she talks about a time when she was raped. She was actually inspired to write that song because of this movie. It's an acapella song on her first album. Right. They kind of they don't really talk about like what happened to Louise. They kind of hint towards maybe that she was raped in Texas. And 
Um, we obviously have the whole scene she where was. Thelma, where Thelma is raped, and um, I just wanted to make sure that people need to know. You know, if you know someone who is who has been, you know in a bad situation and needs help, there are places out there to talk to. And it's really important to, uh, to get the word out and, uh, for people to talk to somebody. So that's really good, Matt. Yeah. Not all men are scumbags. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Trying to raise the bar. We know that <clears throat> you'd be at least at Harvey Keitel's level. <laughs> in well, he was top in this movie. That's according to your, in, according to your rank. So thank that, you. I appreciate saying. that. Oh, I don't have any any else anything else about this movie. Should we move along to Silence of the Lambs, which was the one that won a whole bunch of Oscars that year, beating out Thelma. And won like at least five, right? Yep. Yeah. All right. So, Silence of the Lambs. I just looked it up again, and then Sherry confirmed with me that Clarence Thomas was actually confirmed in about se- in September of ninety one, but he was, I think. Um, nominated nominated in July. in July, and then it was a summer in by Mr. Bush. A summer know. of debates in Congress and and, and hearings about it, and then um, brought in. So I'm glad. And it didn't matter. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. That's for another time. Yeah. <laughs> so my movie, which is a movie that um, I've really wanted to talk about at some point, because. Um, this is probably one of my favorite kind of like mystery kind of thriller movies is Silence of the Lambs released on Valentine's Day of 1991 because this is a movie about love. <laughs> um love of what? See it and find out. <laughs> love, ask, of, love, of moths, love of love of moths, love of beauty, <laughs> love of love of meat and people. <laughs> But, um, ladies that are size 14. Yeah. Romy. So the the movie is about, um, stars Jodie Foster as agent Clarice Starling, who is a FBI cadet asked to help out in the investigation of one Buffalo Bill, a, a serial killer who, who has been kidnapping women and then dumping their bodies in rivers skinned a lot or skinned, you know, some somewhat for some purpose that you don't find out until later in the movie. And then Clarice is asked to, um, without really knowing it's involved with Buffalo Bill, but is asked to interview, um, a prisoner who might have some in- insight, um, named Hannibal Lecter as she calls him by his name, um, in the, his headline name, Hannibal the Cannibal, which is the only time it's ever said in the whole movie. Mm-hmm. So when she says it at the beginning of the movie, um, Dr. Lecter played by Anthony Hopkins. And um, they end up having this very interesting relationship, this, like, quid pro quo uh Sharing information, sharing information with each other because he seemed he's very interested in her. He's been tr- he's been locked up in a cell for eight years with little contact with anybody. And he's and, a psychologist by nature, so he's already just interested in you know the mind and what makes yeah, people tick. And, yeah, he yeah. and he loves manipulating people. He loves that's his whole game. And the reason why he is in prison and is called Hannibal the Cannibal is because he had been. 
eating some of his patients and other people that he has come in contact with. And all of that is more spelled out in other movies. Like, isn't Manhunter a movie that would cover more of that well, story? Not, I think I think that more of his backstory is um, in the sequel movie Hannibal. Mm, never you thought. kind of learn a little bit more about that. This movie was released in 1991, directed by Jonathan Demme, um, also starring Scott Glenn as Jack Crawford, who is the um, the FBI ag- um, agent at the Academy who is investigating. Um, he's part of the Behavioral Sciences Department, which is where Clarice eventually wants to work because she has a master's in psychology, I believe. And um, it's very has this very kind of psychological aspect of this whole movie. And... And some of the best parts of this movie are the interactions between Clarice and Dr. Lecter. Yes, absolutely. And along with some of the investigation that happens with how they try and track Buffalo Bill and eventually find him, um, some of the people, you know. And it's I find very interesting also the steps that they take to try and – that you get to see as far as, like, interviewing and the research that they do. It's not all, like – barging into people's houses and interrogation and all that. It's a lot of like information finding and all that. And, and it's not, and it's funny is this movie is well paced, I believe. Oh yes. And it's under two hours, under two hours, incredibly well paced, very well paced, but it's not like there's a, a ton of action in it, but there's suspense that keeps it going, but it's not like fast moving. Um, there's a lot of, creepy things as we watch the movie that we find out about Buffalo Bill played by um Ted Levine who so scary who um was on a, a television show called Monk for a long a long time and um basically he Was he also on CSI too or something? I don't, or am I wrong? I don't remember him being on okay. CSI. William Peterson who was in Manhunter was on CSI. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think that that ends up being one of the creepier... You've got really two very kind of scary things that are going on in this. You've got the interactions and the backstory of Hannibal Lecter. And just, you know, even though you don't see some him do some things, some things you see him do, and it's pretty... It's messed up. But... You just hear about it and just know, like, you see him on screen and then they talk about things that he did. And then in in the way that it's well, it's written and acted, you start visualizing the stuff happening in your brain and it makes it creepy. You know, you don't even have to see it because he's so scary on on screen. Well, and once or twice he even talks about him, what he did. What he did. yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the. The famous line of, you know, a caretaker once tested me. Census taker. A census taker once tested me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. You know, that that whole line. And then he does the whole slither. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's probably one of the most famous lines from this. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of other lines like, aren't you about a size 14? And you don't know what pain is. (laughs) You know, lines like that, that... I creepily have worked into my daily vernacular. Um, I love your suit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I like to say that love one. your suit. <laughs> the victim that we see mm-hmm. in this movie is the daughter 
of a politician. Yes. Do we think Senator Martin? Catherine do we Martin. think that the attention on this victim would have been the same had she not been a politician's daughter? Um, I feel like yes, it's the fifth. So wow, it's really adding up. But also, didn't it get? Didn't she get extra attention because she was a senator? Completely. Daughter? Definitely. I mean, she was on TV more and all of that. And and but I think it also um, like. No one had that was the only like from the time Clarice start gets part of the investigation, she's the first one that, that gets taken for, at, at that point on. So it becomes a very big focal point of the story because at that point, Clarice is involved. Yeah. So they're going to focus on that because really this movie is about Clarice. Yeah. I mean, she's the main character and she's the one really kind of that you're following throughout the whole movie. Um, but uh, and I don't and, and it's funny is Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter gets nominated as for an Oscar for best actor in this. He's only in the movie for 24 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like he's in the movie. I mean, he might have less scenes than Jack Crawford. I mean, it's 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 pretty crazy. But um this movie, and he said this, that he, th- this if, if he didn't break in this movie, he probably was not going to break in Hollywood. He had done stage and TV and stuff in the UK. Probably the biggest film that he had done at this, you know, up until this movie was Elephant Man, like 10 years before this. Mm. Um, and that's and because of that role is one of the reasons why Jonathan Demme had cast him as Dr. Lecter. And, and, and in that movie, he was a, he was a real good guy, but, um, I think they just liked his demeanor mm-hmm. and, um, really after this movie, I mean, this movie launched him mm-hmm. into the stratosphere. He's just so good. And I he's mean, so good in this movie. It, yeah. <laughs> he, he kills it. He kills it. He cooks it and he eats it. <laughs> um, but, uh. I think that's probably one one of my favorite parts of this movie. And, and if I was going to say, you know, go ahead and say my my favorite scene is is his interactions with Clarice are just there. There's some of the some of the best scenes that have probably been made because to have two actors interacting like that in a scene. Yeah, I, I have that down as my favorite scene. It's when they first meet each other. I mean, just how the way he treats her, the way he talks to her. It's just so well done, and and not and and I'll go as far as saying that scene, and then the scene when he when she does the deal with him. Sure, you know, there's this question and answer that goes back and forth um, between them, and he tries to kind of grills her on her private life, and that's when that's when she explains when she ran away the lamb. Yeah, yeah that's my favorite scene. Yeah, uh, the, the second time that they're together. Yeah, and she has to explain the whole. Her father had died, and she went to a, a, a ranch in Montana. Home. Yeah, you notice when she says, when she says that, talks about that, and then she said, "Well, my, because I'm and my mother had died when she I was, was very young." young. You see Hannibal shut his eyes for a moment, like he's he like he feels like bad for her. like he feels bad for her. Yeah, yeah like he, for a minute, he's he has a little bit of he has empathy, and he's in that first interaction too. Um, you know, when he's kind of grilling her, mm-hmm. and he starts imitating her accent yes he um anthony Hop- anthony hopkins um ad-libbed all that he sure, he, he just was and jodie foster was like what the hell are you doing you know and i just think that that i guess goes to show like he re- i mean not that he has doesn't do this for everything but i mean 
he he really stands out in this movie and he'll and he's gone down i mean people have said like he's one of the scariest characters on to on in oh, yeah. movies just because of that and he's He's only in it for a little bit. <laughs> I found Bill scarier. Buffalo Bill was more scary to me in this Buffalo movie. Bill is scarier in a sense that you really get you really see what he's doing. Like and it's not, I mean it and it, it it's pretty it's pretty messed up, but I didn't have any nightmares from this movie. Well, that's good. good. I thought I would, but I did not. So, um I'm more scared of Bill too because he just is like he doesn't have to see him. Not that, not that Hannibal has a code, but he just, it's because he doesn't seem, he's not as smart and he just seems just totally just a complete psychopath. Other than like Hannibal is just like a psychopath, but he has, but he is like in, very intelligent, you know, it's, it's well, weird. Like, like when he gets out and, um, Jody and Clarice's roommate is running to go warn her. She says, he's not going to come after me. He'd think it's rude. Yeah, right. I can't explain it. <laughs> She's Other totally right. Say, he wouldn't. He'd think it's rude. Like, he wouldn't. There's, there, it seems like there's more method to right. Lecter's Correct. Um, victims. Yeah. I mean, in the sense that it's the two guards that happen to be delivering him his dinner that night. They're his victim. But and, well, and another part of him that is endearing is even though you're watching this, you know, crazed killer that eats people, you know, um, when he when he delivers some of his lines, I mean, the dry humor of them is just hilarious. it's amazing. He's hilarious. And and uh, especially uh, when he is a. Uh, when he's talking about Benjamin Raspell and he's talking about how, uh, you know, Bill killed him and he goes, the best thing for him, really, his therapy wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I've talked about my um, aversion to reading, so I've never read the book, but this is um, part of a series that uh, Thomas Harris had written, you know, with. Hannibal Lecter as a character. Um, the first was Red Dragon, which um, later became a movie called Manhunter that came out a few years earlier that um, is pretty good. And then um, later it was remade um, at, titled Red Dragon with Edward Norton as the main FBI agent um, interviewing um, in a very similar style where he's interviewing Hannibal Lecter to help him with a, with a case. And um, Edward, um, Ralph Ray Fiennes play, yeah. plays the, the villain in that. Philip Seymour Hoffman meets a yes. fiery end. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But um, in between Red Dragon and Silence of the Lambs, they made a movie called Hannibal, which was a, a sequel to Silence of the Lambs. I which it wasn't good. Um, it's very different. Unfortunately, Jodie Foster did not reprise her role as um, Clarice Starling, and it's Julianne Moore. Mm -hmm. Julianne Moore, great actor. It just, it had a different feel. Mm. It doesn't have the, not gravitas, but it doesn't have the same, like, well, in, serious feel that the other movie has. Well, in this movie, in that movie, Hannibal has, you know, he, he has escaped, and it's all about them trying to catch him, but also there's this other plot where one of Hannibal's victims is trying to survive, is trying to also catch him to get his revenge. <sighs> so it's got... It's got this very kind of dark scene at the end where yeah. um, Ray Liotta, who is also, I believe, an FBI agent, 
is is hel- being held by Hannibal, mm. and um, Lecter cuts off his head and starts eating his brains while he's alive. Like, not cut off his head from the neck, but, like, cuts off his skull, like, around it and takes it off. And, I mean, it, it was just, it was too gross. Mm. And, it, and it was taking it to the point where, like, I didn't need to see that. I'll pass. So... I do want Anthony to watch. Hopkins still he still kind of kills it in that movie too. He's just really good, and you get a better, you get an even greater bond of the t- connection between the two of them. But um, there's a couple things about this movie that I'm questioning or it might be different than the books. Main and and the main one is, that I was gonna pose, uh, I was gonna pose to you guys. So in the in the movie, Hannibal is basically dropping all these hints. Like, he knows who the killer is. Like, he knows exactly who he is, but he just won't tell them. And, you know, he knows his M.O. He t- he's guessing the M.O. before he even reads the, the report. Or when he goes, he goes, what are you looking for? Mm, simplicity. <sighs> Basically, like, the pattern brand, you know, yeah. for sewing. I mean, I always think that he's, he knows exactly what is going on. But what, what, one thing that I'm curious about that might be more in the book is... Is it even more obvious that he knows who he is in the book to the point where, like, Buffalo Bill is skinning people? Did Hannibal maybe, like, teach him some of this stuff? Because he was a, he was a, you know, he's a doctor and he was also, you know, eating people. So could it be that, like, he went as far as, like, not just knowing him, but actually teaching him how to do some of these things? I don't Uh... know. I didn't read the book. Have you read the book, Sherry? No, I've always wanted to, though, but I haven't done Jack it. Jack read it. He read it before the movie came out. Okay. But he didn't give me a whole... Other than he said his opinion of the movie's colored because he read the book. First. Sure, sure, sure. So. Gotcha. So anyway, I'm, I'm kind of curious about that because um, basically what we find out as the movie's going on is, you know, uh, Buffalo Bill at one point wanted to um, have a sex change operation and and become a woman, kept getting rejected by all the medical facilities that that did that surgery um, in the area and decided instead to just kill women, skin them, and make a woman's suit. (laughs) Didn't Lecter explain, though, that Buffalo Bill maybe really wasn't a transsexual. Yeah, well, he said that. Because yes, he does. He didn't think he actually was. He said he was, yeah. he he was said he denied, thinks he's a transsexual. He was right. being denied at these places because it sounds like there may have been a series of psychological tests that they may yeah. have needed to yeah. do. Right. And they determined he wasn't a good candidate right. because of right. probably something he reveals that this isn't actually... All the Nazi blankets and paraphernalia that he's got on his... He was just... I mean... Yeah. So, which which leads me to um, probably one of the other famous scenes in this movie um, is the dancing scene. What's that song? It's called Goodbye Horses by Q Lazarus. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, um, he's dancing in front of a camera. And one thing I didn't notice the first couple times I watched it, and it wasn't until I watched it, you know, I've seen this movie double digit times. Um was he actually has like on his head like 
a skinned piece of you hair. You never noticed that until this that time? T- no, not this time. Oh. I, no, probably like 20 oh, years ago. Was okay. he just wearing a wig? No, oh, it was oh, a head. It was like something head. he had skinned it's off so of another disturbing. woman. And you look, uh-huh. like, watch it again, and of- you can see the skin. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, my God. It's, yeah. That is is a crazy scene. But uh, And I, in my research, uh, that scene was not included in the screenplay, but it's in the novel. And Ted Levine actually, um, the whole he, dancing scene, the whole dancing scene wasn't in it. They were gonna, not going to have it. And Ted but Levine was like, the actor was like, well, we have to do that scene. They're like, huge. well, we don't have, we, we don't have it. And he's like, I want to do it. I'll do it. And I thought that that was really, that's just how great of an actor he was being and how great he was playing this, this creepy character to the word, to the point where he was just like, no, this is going to be a this is a scene that has to happen. Apparently you know? he had to tip a few back to be able to do that scene. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I'm sure it was. It's, I mean, playing that character could not be easy. No. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, you know, is, and I've always felt sorry for him as an actor because I feel like that's he's all pigeonholed. he is. Yeah. Because yeah. he's a change his voice and other stuff because he sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. A couple other things I wanted to mention about this. Brooke Smith, who plays Catherine Martin was actually really close to Ted Levine on the set. Hmm. They, you know, they had to, most of their scenes were together. Um, and, um, huh? Most of the scenes that they have in the movie are the two of them. The two of them together. Together. Yeah. Ted Levine and, and Brooke Smith, Catherine Martin and Buffalo oh, Bill. The daughter. The, yeah. The well, well girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I thought you meant the mom. I'm like, no, 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 no. So I guess Jodie Foster started referring to her as Patty Hearst. and uh brooke smith had to gain 25 pounds to play her Mm. and she actually was up for the role of clarice at one point Mm. but then got cast as her and then um the the other thing that i wanted to mention and and this is and this is an argument that um my wife and i have is um i love the scene when you first see Catherine martin and she's um Speeding down the highway to American Girl yes! by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Yes. I'm so um, excited. I always say that the whole reason why we played that song at our wedding was because of Silence of the Lambs. No, it's not. Fast <laughs> Times at Ridgemont High. No, it's because of Tom Petty. But, <laughs> but we'll just uh, say all of the above. So we're all happy. It's fine. But apparently, at that time, Brooke Smith was not really into Tom Petty. She was into New York hardcore and wanted to be Bad Brains on nice. on the radio. And nice. I thought that was pretty awesome pretty when cool. I when I read that. So, and then yeah, that that song got. Luckily, Tom has a lot of other hits, so it didn't get you know pigeonholed for that song. But um, a couple other things about uh, people in the movie uh, that I find very interesting is this movie is the second best role for Chris Isaac who plays us like a SWAT team guy mm-hmm. his first best role being as agent Te- um agent Desmond in Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me which Nancy will never watch but one day but um you know he has a couple couple lines in this you know mm-hmm. one in the leg <laughs> you know that you know little mm-hmm. things like that as the as the um as the SWAT guy. And then Clary Starling's character 
is really a direct influence on another character that we all love, yeah. Scully, Scully oh, yeah. from the X Files. There's no way that Scully exists no, her, without Clarice. No, her, the way that she dresses, how yep. she looks, her demeanor, yep. all of that is very yep. much was very much influenced that was all by I thought about, Clarice Star, like, Jodie Foster, and Lone Gunman too. Those the bug guys, right? Is that right? They they were influenced a little bit. Um, I I I or no, is that? I'm not 100% sure okay. about that, but um, apparently in um, the the ninth, like, regular run, the ninth season of the regular run of X-Files, there's actually a line that um, Mulder is in, is in prison and Scully is coming to visit him, and he says to her, I smelled you coming, Clarice. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. Just as a nod to the fact that yeah. it was an influence. So yeah, I I thought about that a lot watching it last night. I was like, wow, I don't think Scully exists without this movie yeah. because I think X Files premiered a couple years after this movie came out, and just the idea of a strong, incredibly smart young FBI agent that's yeah. female. Yeah, <laughs> it just totally. it seemed very unusual at the time. I saw this movie around probably the same time, maybe even the same night that I watched Thelma and Louise on this on VHS. And, uh, it had a, a really, really huge impact on me too. I, for a long time, I thought about like even maybe being an FBI agent, but mm-hmm. then I realized that, you know, I'd have to be in danger a lot. And I, that didn't appeal to me That's too much, scary. but, <laughs> for your sake, but it, it definitely propelled and started my love of, uh, serial killers. So, mm. and it's in my, when I'm feeling it, maybe my top five, but definitely my top 10 movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've seen it. I think this is maybe like the third time I've seen okay. it. I've probably saw it. I know I saw it in the nineties around when it came out or within a couple years of it coming out. <clears throat> and I think it scared me a lot more back then. Um, and yeah, then I probably saw it again. It's very scary. I mean, several years later, but I haven't, I easily haven't seen it for at least 15, 20 years. I have a close friend that still won't watch it. She still hasn't seen it. I definitely would say there's... We we mentioned it earlier in another conversation. Like, I think The Shining is way scarier than this. Um, there's yeah. plenty of other movies. I mean, we had a whole month of scary movies. All of those, I think, in some ways are scarier than the things that happen in this movie. Yeah. This movie is more just a mystery. And I definitely qualify it more as a mystery. But when you have the, one of the main characters that eats people. I mean, that, and in the scene when he's in that um, remote jail, that kind of like makeshift jail that they bring him in when he takes the, the billy club, mm-hmm. is that what that's called? Yeah. And beats the one guard just senseless. And then he's eaten the face of the other one. And then when they finally reach that floor and they think that the, this, Hey, he's breathing. This guy's here. And I was like, Oh shit! That's right. He's wearing that guy's face. <laughs> oh god! Oh my god! When is it gonna happen? I know. Uh. Yeah. No, I. I think what's so great about this movie because I know there's been several movies we've talked about where I kind of give this. Yeah, I'm not in a hurry to ever see it again or whatever. But I'd watch this movie again. Not like tomorrow, but I'd I'd be interested in seeing this movie again just to kind of catch some of these other things. This movie is full of really smart people. Yes. Yeah. This movie is really... I mean, the asshole psychiatrist that runs the prison... Yeah. He's not smart because he's so full of ego and he's not just letting Clarice do what she needs to do, respect the boundary, and hello, like, 
solve a kidnapping and potential murder, just like get out of her way right. and don't be jealous that she's breaking through to Lecter in a way that you never could because you're so freaking egocentric. Like he's the worst character in the whole movie. As oh far yeah. As I'm concerned. He's, he's awful. Mo- he's and I'm glad that Lecter is going to eventually kill him when they go on that. He's meeting an old friend for dinner. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But no, this movie, like every, this movie is so bright. Like everyone yes. in this movie is really, really bright. And it just so interesting. Important question. We all need to ask. Was Jodie Foster's was Clarice banging her boss? No. no. Are we sure? Yes. Yes. Okay. I actually have a common overall comment. Nancy, Nancy, that's that's something Miggs would say. Not anymore. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that scene was so gross. Uh, yeah, and let me tell you, yeah, when I watched it, when I when. Was much I don't younger. think I saw the I don't, real I don't thing. think I re- realized, or <sighs> I mean, I definitely didn't realize what was going on because I was pretty young. But then later, one time when I was watching it, I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> that happened!" And then I think, yeah. I think what happened is I watched it that first time, and then I hadn't watched it for a very long time without it being edited, like on TV yeah. or something. And then when I got the DVD and got a DVD player, which also I remember being so amazed at how clear the opening scenes were and being like, "This is awesome," you know. And then that scene, and, then, and I was like, I don't remember that part happening. <laughs> Nest. Uh, but I think the, the overall in this movie, which I think is funny because with Thelma and Louise, there's like this theme, right? So uh, I'm sure you notice it too, especially you've seen it so many times, is how men just won't, she, jo, Clarice cannot get away from them. And they will not leave her alone. All of them hit on her. She can't do her job because of yeah. it. Uh, the entomologist she, hit on her. All of them. And, and you know what the entomologist said? Tough noogies. <laughs> Tough, noogies. <laughs> Tough noogies is like one of my sayings. And when, they, yeah. when the guy said it, he, I was very excited. <laughs> I mean, she just can't get away from having to deal with that work. And, you know, mm-hmm. she's the only woman in most of the rooms. And, it, and, and it, Her character's what, 26 maybe? 27 tops? Uh, she might be even younger than that. She had gotten her master's degree, which takes a few years after college, so probably mid to late 20s. Yeah, and I think, I mean, of course, this is how it was. You know, there's all the cops. Of course, most of them are going to be men and stuff, but in, especially in 91. But I think it's just, it's really interesting when you look at it from that point of view, well, like how it cons- it's just constant. And how she has to let her superior know, you know, you shouldn't have said that shit about women in the room or whatever, because they follow your lead. Right. And it's so important that she says that response to him because it's just, it's, yeah, it's great. Yeah, because some people might, because some women might just be like, yes, sir. Why was she she alone in the end? It just ended up that way. She was just doing investigations. She didn't. They got the wrong house. Yeah. The the, the main guys got the wrong house. But why didn't, why wasn't she paired up with at least one other person? She just. In my my research, um. That's Jack Crawford's character is based on a real FBI agent and they interviewed him about like the movie and they were like, that's one of the things that bothers him. Like a, a, a an agent that was just in training kind of still and not, a, and not made a complete, you know, a full agent yeah. at that point would never be by themselves on any kind of investigation, yeah. male or female, doesn't yeah. matter. They would always have a partner with them. Mm-hmm. So, it was kind of odd that she was yeah, by herself. Yeah, I it is. But she, in some ways, 
she kind of took it upon herself to go there. Sure. Well, well, because Lecter, that was that was like my, one of my favorite things too, was when Lecter said, "Everything you need is in the case file," and I'm like, "He left her a note. He left her a note." He's not even there. <laughs> yeah. And then when yeah. he left the note on the map, I was like. That's right. Right. I knew he wrote something on there for her. Yeah. And you know, Jack Crawford is based on John Douglas, right? Which is who? Uh, Mindhunter? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who started the whole the behavioral, behavioral science. science of Division yeah. FBI. Yeah. Are you talking about the books? Are, who are you talking about? Uh, the television show Mindhunter is a fictional show, but it's based on books by John Douglas, who create who was in... You know, he helped help helped create found behavioral, the science behavioral science department, department of the FBI. Basically, the, the the people that make the profiles, the psychological profiles of a serial killer. At the beginning of Silence of the Lambs, when um, Jack Crawford's like, "We're doing, we're um, I'm doing some research where we're um, where we're interviewing serial killers, and I want you to go interview Hannibal Lecter." Um, that's all how that hall started, and that's what the television show Mindhunter is based yeah. on: is the interviewing of serial killers. Yeah. So. All so Scott Glenn's character is, is based on the, the real FBI agent that that show is based on. Mm-hmm. That's the Jonathan Groff character. Yes, correct. Yes. I haven't watched it. I just call him Kristoff because I usually forget that his name is. That's his name in Frozen. <laughs> <laughs> well, one one thing that I found in my research that was really interesting was they never thought they were going to release this movie. They thought it was going to go direct to video. What? Yeah, they just. Did, wow. They thought because of the so they, they thought because of the uh, um, the subject matter that it was too distasteful and would go direct to to video, but they they thought they des- they they decided instead to release it out on Valentine's Day. It went number one, ended up being the fourth highest grossing movie of the year of the year, and won the Academy Award for Best Picture. I mean, yeah, can you imagine like? How, Loaded. Right? <laughs> <laughs> How I should... wonder what I wonder which executive got to be like, see, told you so. I mean, for finally for like actually greenlighting it. That's I, amazing. I mean, it's whoever whoever eventually made that decision, thank you. Thank yeah. you for getting this movie released. I think the first time I saw it, I did see it before the Academy Awards. I remember seeing it before and being like, Oh my god, this movie's amazing. Um so I was really happy that it had won. I thought that it was great. I think I probably I think I saw it on video at like a friend's house or something like that at first. And then I watched it many times on television, you know, because I remember being played a lot on like TNT and mm-hmm. TBS and everything. Um, and did, then, did you? Did, and then we had a copy of it, too. So I remember watching it on video and I I've seen it. I've seen it many times before. I met Sherry, who loves it, and I remember us having like like this whole like, oh my god, you like that movie too? And then the two of us have watched it a million times. So, I read like Gene Hackman was trying to get it made, and then uh, he had he actually owned the rights. Jodie Foster it. was actually trying to get them before him, and he beat her out. To yeah, do it. he was going to play Hannibal Lecter, but because of his role in Mississippi Burning, he was like, that's two roles in a row where I'm just like this total dick. So I want to. He, he didn't want to do anything that do violent, it. so yeah. he ended up. Uh, Giving up the rights to it, mm-hmm. and Jodie Foster <laughs> snatched him up. Hmm. And she's so great. I mean, she's so great, and she's so, so smart. Like when they were taking, I love when her. they were taking, when they had the corpse, and they were taking pictures, and she goes, "Um, there's something shoved in the back of the throat." 
Right. Like, She's looking at let's green we need killer to find, style. And I don't know if anyone else would have really dug that deep or thought that hard. And that. <laughs> dug that deep? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then that, you know, I mean, the freaking moths are on the cover art for the movie. I mean, the moths are so important. That's what... That's what really tips tipped her, her off. off, but also just the idea of like the whole complete you're com- completely changing into something, mm-hmm. shedding a former identity to become something else. I mean, that's yeah. like the whole point of Buffalo Bill. Yeah. And you love when they pull the moth out of uh, Frederico Bimmel's throat, and uh, it goes. <sighs> yeah, you can hear the air coming the out air of her. That was stuck in her throat because he I mean, shoved it in there. Little th- she was still alive. Little like, things stuff like, like that. that. Oh, really? Yes. No, I yeah, little that. things like that. You're mm-hmm. like, this movie's amazing. I know. <laughs> so great. But uh, Sherry, who is your favorite character? My favorite character is Clarice. I mean, I it wouldn't be a movie without you know Hannibal, but I, yeah, Clarice is my favorite. I mean, I just I think it's just because I just identify her with her because she's a woman and you know she's. Uh, trying to figure stuff out, and she's really smart. Uh, I love that she doesn't let all these men get to her. You know, she doesn't let them intimidate her. She's she tough. puts up with a lot of shit. I mean, I w- I would say she has a goal, and she no no one's gonna like let her you know stray from it. I would say that she's as much of a hero in this movie in the same lines. As like Sigourney Weaver and Alien, sure, absolutely. I would say it's yeah. the same. Like as far as responsibility. Yeah. Um, Use like way they talk to people. That's I think that it's very much kind of that same that same level. Yeah, and, and I know I was talking about you know we were talking about favorite scene of when the two of them are interacting and when uh, she meets Hannibal. But my other one, and it's hard. It was hard for me to pick at first. Is when she goes to Bill's house and she at first she doesn't know it's him, and you just start feeling just the fear that is like overcoming her, but like try yeah. her trying to stay calm, her trying to think what she's be supposed to do, and be prof- yeah. you know, and what is she going to do? And like trying to, you know, they're telling her you didn't check the corner when she was doing her training or trying to remember all the things that she's, she's alone. And just, you know, she, that scene is just, it's amazing. And you can tell she's, she's trying so hard not to just lose her shit. Even yes, though there's a huge, uh, and she's well oh, before that when she first oh. comes to the house, yeah. oh. and there's a huge roll of saran wrap just kind of casually on the mantle. Well, that scene, <laughs> and, and you know, and I re, when we, uh, and on the rewatch when I was rewatching mm-hmm. that scene, I remember th- sitting here thinking like, like, and I've watched this movie so many times, seeing that same yeah. scene over and over again, but really thinking about like, she is acting like terrified mm-hmm. and not trying to be the hero here like other no looking looking at it from other points of view like like trying to trying to play it out like she couldn't just be like well thank you for the information and left and then called jack and been like dude he's here because at that point he could have just quickly went like bang and killed Catherine. you know he could have been like and, and gotten out of there but she she you know really kind of took it upon herself kind of Kind of, you know, stupidly, but, you know, being brave and really kind of knowing that she wants to save Catherine. Yeah. Goes down there by herself and she seeing the fear on her on her face, but knowing all the things she has to do and going through all the steps and doing them right. You're sitting there like like you feel the intensity of it. And and I and I think I felt that intensity a lot on this rewatch. Um 
That's how you know how, how good a film it is. I mean, how good, how like how that, well yeah. she played it, how well prepared she was, mm-hmm. and just like her giving direction, like Catherine should shut the dog up and be quiet, and then her faking the uh, fake saying, "Oh, the 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 agents will be here any minute," when she knows they're not. You know, she knows she's by herself trying to take down this guy who. You know, and she doesn't know that this guy uses night vision goggles and his in the house dark. Is so fucked up. Like there are some. It is. I don't know what that house used to be. It well, is nuts. Well, they, they they talk about how the house was. You know, old Mrs. Littman lived yeah, there, and then yeah. she doesn't. And then there's a. He, well, then there's that bathtub filled with. Oh my! It's Mrs. Old Mrs. Littman. <laughs> it's Mrs. Littman. It's so gross. It, you know, dead oh. in the bathtub. Like she drowned, and her body just been decaying. Yeah, sure, there she forever. drowned. Yeah. Well. Something happened, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I think like scenes like that, you know, really grab you in this movie, and even beyond all the great acting that Anthony Hopkins is doing, and 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 all those great scenes with them, that ending is so intense, and 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 frightening. That is probably like the the only or face off with Bill. Yeah, yeah, that whole thing. That's probably the only part of the movie that scares me. All the rest of it, I'm just that like, oh, I so love this scary. movie. It's but that so part, scary. you really feel that intensity. Well, if it's not for Jodie Foster's acting in that, and a lot of the time, like, she's probably the only one on set. Catherine's not sitting there in the hole. She's probably no, no. yelling off screen and all this well, stuff sure. and having a dog barking. She had to be, you know, the only one on screen for a lot of that time. Wondering where the hell Bill was. You gotta wonder, like, why he didn't shoot her sooner or try to shoot her sooner. It's like he's playing with her. It's like he was playing with her like a T was. He was playful. I mean, look at what he's doing. I mean, I know he has his end game of, you know, let up, starve him three days so the skin will hang off of him more. But I mean, he's definitely like fucked up. Wants to. There's an. There's a power. There's a power thing going on there. I mean, he keeps the the women in the, you know, in the hole, you know, and. He's not trying to, he's not being nice to him, <laughs> you know, they're objects to him, you know, at that point. And it's just, um, it's really, it's really messed up. <laughs> I want to say like just a tiny personal antidote is of when I saw this movie, like, you know, would joke about the size 14 thing, but like, I remember watching it and going as being someone who was around that size at that, when I was that age, I was like what the hell? Like, are they just like, now they're trying to, you know, just kill a bunch of like chubby girls. Like what, what is the deal? Like, I remember being like, why, why does he have to pick on us? Well, <laughs> so and, it's just, and I have blue eyes and Buffalo Bill has blue eyes. <laughs> <laughs> what but, about you, Nancy? What's your favorite? No, Clarice is the best yeah. character, is my favorite character. And, um, I, like I said, I've watched it maybe twice before this watch, but I don't think I really appreciated Jodie Foster until now. I mean, truly what she does in this role. I mean, yes, like we said, Anthony Hopkins is incredible, but his screen time is so limited. I mean, she's on screen so much more. Yeah. I mean, she's, she really isn't almost in every scene. There's not too many scenes that she doesn't show up in. Um, she's doing a bulk of the work. Back to the when she finally gets into Bill's house, and then her having to kind of face the fear of re not reenacting, but being in the circumstance of not checking every corner and all that kind of stuff. I feel like that's the only thing she probably ever failed at in her FBI training. You know that simulation where she's 
busting into a house, but she forgot to check to see if someone was behind her, and then, boom, you're dead. Like, I feel like that's probably the only thing she never did right or was she was like top on. of her class you yeah know, she maybe she didn't get a hundred percent on everything but she was like top of her yeah. class yeah yeah well and i think it's important to show that too i mean she like like i think with these two movies that we're talking about you know we've got different dynamics as far as uh you know women taking charge and having strong women on screen and whereas Thelma and Louise are kind of having to take take you know a hold of the reins out of desperation. Mm-hmm. And here is her, you know, Clarice is kind of going through the system, but still facing a lot of the same challenges, you know, with dealing in, you know, being in a male society kind of thing. And um, when Hannibal is one of the people that's the most polite to her out of all the men. Yeah, I mean, Han- Hannibal is like <laughs> is like yeah. the Harvey Keitel, you know, <laughs> of the situation, except I mean, Jack Crawford's Jack Crawford is okay. is, is is up there, too. I mean, I think other than him saying the comment yeah. about the women and then her having to tell him later, like, dude, you you should not be discounting me. Yeah. Manners. Yeah. Um, I do like that when she brought all his drawings back to his little makeshift um, temporary cell that he'd done one of her with a lamp. Yeah. I thought that yeah. was really yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, he... Um, that cell is so weird. I don't understand why they thought that that would be adequate. That doesn't make any sense <laughs> to me. I don't know. What? Oh, that cell? Yeah. I mean, I know they had to like, do it... Like, they had to make do with what they had. Yeah. But seriously, like, how could you think that was going to be okay? Well, he did also, you know... Sneak in something to 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 undo his handcuffs. Doesn't matter. I, mean, I still think. I mean, the fact that why did know, they move him at all? I mean, you know, well, because we, of that, the whole like he gave it was Catherine Martin the description of Buffalo Bill, and then they said he said I want to be moved, and yeah. that's why. I I will say this about this movie. I don't know if they'd ever shown this in a film before, but it certainly was the first time I had ever seen a prisoner in that kind of. Um, restraints. The first time when he's yeah. in his cell with the psychiatrist, who and then he, the psychiatrist leaves his pen, like the thing that's like smushing yeah. his mouth and his mm-hmm, nose down. Thing. And then of course the second one where he's strapped down and has like the full mask completely over his face. I don't think I'd ever seen anything like that. No, and, before. and that's been kind of spoofed in different things too. You it was know, spoofed in Conair. I think it was. <laughs> I guess Steve Buscemi's Is, character. Isn't Con Air just a big spoof anyway? Isn't that Nicolas yeah. Cage's career? Yeah. <laughs> Put the money in the box. Yeah. So anyway, um, I didn't really have that much more that I wanted to bring out, other than I love this movie, which you know it seems strange saying that because but no it's excellent but it's, it's really so good and and it's a psych it's so psychological i mean like so i i would put this like my love of this movie for like the same reason i love zodiac sure yeah. it's so oh, yeah. well done yes i mean it's so fun to watch it's got it's got good pacing it's got it's just so well made that um I just really enjoy it. I am really curious to watch Manhunter with Brian Cox as mm-hmm. the Hannibal Lecter character mm-hmm. now and compare, especially because I've been watching 
well, I mean, it's been off for a few months, but like seeing Brian Cox in Succession and wanting to kind of do a deeper it's, dive. It's on good. Some of this stuff. It, I, I I liked it the the one t- the one or two times I've seen it. It's been a long time since I've watched it, but I enjoy it. I think it's good. I think it's it's got a totally different vibe than Red Dragon because it doesn't have like the Hollywood glitz and glamour kind of aspect. Right, so of the it. story is very similar to how they tell it. Oh yeah, Red Dragon. yeah, 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 okay. yeah, and then. The the Hannibal movie is interesting just because like it takes place in different parts of the world and all you know it's got good scenery and everything but sounds like it's very brutal. So. It's more brutal. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the, Gary Oldman plays the um, the victim who's oh. trying to get revenge on oh. him and he's disfigured yeah, and it's nice. so. It's it's hard to watch. No, Not hard to watch because it's bad. It's hard to watch because like the makeup is so is so good that he it's it's hard to look at him. This whole the whole series you know is pretty good. And Anthony Hopkins he's he kills it. In this. Oh, it looks like Harvey Keitel plays Jack Crawford in Red Dragon. Yes, he does. He does. Yes, they they recast to him um, Jack Crawford with Harvey Keitel. Oh, but Anthony Heald's still in it as uh, Doctor Chilton. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, he reprises his role. Some little Frankie Faze in his Bernie, or Barney. Uh, did you guys have anything else that you'd like to add, Sherry? I know that you love this movie, too, so... It's just one of my favorite types of movies, and I think it's hard to do a movie like this, especially now, without it becoming trite or overdone or predictable and I don't, I don't know. know I think I that mean, I think that it, mysteries like this are can still be done it, it, just, it can it just it's it's hard I think it's hard to do and I think people take it take it for granted sometimes in some of those those films but I do um of course I got to hand it to to Thomas Harris but um too the you know that wrote the book yeah. I think it it's interesting how he you know he blended a lot of famous serial killers you know to make um the Buffalo Bill character so uh, that also, I find that interesting too. The whole kind of fascination with serial killers too, I think is just goes beyond like just the love of this movie. But I think that, um, you know, watching like Zodiac, watching this, watching Mindhunter, I just think there's some, there's something so intriguing about the psychology that goes into it. Well, yeah, that, what that, makes them like so that. It, so it makes, so I think yeah. that that's one of those reasons why I, I like this movie too, mm-hmm. is because you've got that investigative unit right. that really kind of get into the psychology of like why this happens. And which brings me to something else that I, I, I really kind of think it's important also to kind of point out that, um, in a similar vein to what we talked to, you know, to what I wanted to talk about, um, with, um, with Thelma and Louise is that um, I think it's important to, to point out that the character of Buffalo Bill, um, I think at that time when this movie was made, um, there wasn't a lot known about gender issues, which is a lot more prevalent now. Mm-hmm. And it's important to kind of point out that people who are transgender or, you know, or who identify different, want to be identified differently than, than what you know, is considered like the, the norm or whatever, you know, bullshit. I think that it's important also to point out that like, those are real, like good human beings that we are very supportive of, of anyone who just wants to live their life and be happy. Mm-hmm. And that people shouldn't just look at this movie and say something like, Oh, people like that are, are, you know, 
are going to be serial killers yeah. or terrible people or rapists or they, whatever they, they crazy to, bull yeah, crap. They try to kind of pacify it by saying that, and is you watching and go, yeah, it's still it still is an issue. Like watching it today, it still is an issue. Like I agree. Well, I want to thank Sherry for not just coming on to this episode, but also um, really loving these movies and enjoying watching them uh, with us. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Yes, thanks for being on. I'm I'm not having you for dinner. (laughs) Good. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, yeah, Nancy, thanks for picking Thelma and Louise. I'm glad I got to rewatch that. Me too. Because um, I thought it was fun to rewatch that movie. You know, sometimes... Sometimes going back and watching movies that you watched growing up can be kind of cringeworthy. Of course. We've experienced that several times. I really enjoyed watching that. It's funny because I've seen it so many times, but I I guess I haven't watched it in a little while. But I haven't seen it probably. I've most seen it maybe four or five times. Okay. I've seen it a lot more times. Yeah. But it was one of the few movies one of my friends had on tape, so we watched watched it a lot. (laughs) That and Pulp Fiction, and there was a couple others, but oh. And uh, dust till dawn. It, it's I still got something different out of it this time when Good. I watched it too. So. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Well, thank you everyone for listening. And um, go ahead and uh, like I said, contact us, ask us questions, tell us about movies that you want to watch. We would like to interact with you guys. And um, I want to thank you all for listening, um, Sherry. Thank you for being a guest. Nancy, thank you for all the great work that you did on this podcast. Thank you, Matt. Same for you. You're welcome. And um, until next time, I am Matthew. I'm Nancy. This is Fighting Over the VCR. 